Good morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off. We are on the 32nd day of Oymer, on the 17th day of Toiv. And we'll dedicate today's class to uh, Amit ben Yehuda, Shamashir Havan Aliyah. So the fifth line from the top on page 40. When do you say these three verses? You say between each blessing. You have and then you say one verse, and then the second verse, you know, and then in between, and then you say the second verse, and then after the third verse, you say, you say the uh, uh, the third verse. On page forty-eight, Rav Sheisha says, "Bas Godes Hashem." When you say the name Hashem, each blessing, Yivarech Hashem, so when you say it, when the Kainim say Hashem, that's when you say first Pasuk, Yor Hashem, when you say Hashem, in the second Pasuk, they say the second Pasuk, and Yis Hashem, when you say Hashem, you say the third Pasuk. Please, but argue, one of them said, they said one Pasuk, one, one. There's three psukim, three psukim, the brich is kainim. And there's three psukim in the three psukim that you say. So it's one, 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 one corresponding to the other. The other one said, no. Each Pasuk, you say all three psukim. Whoever says these verses outside of the Besamigdor, she's making a mistake. These psukim were only instituted to say when you say Hashem's name. Hashem's ineffable name, which is only said in the Beis Amigdash. Then you say these three verses. But outside, when you say Hadnai, you don't pronounce Hashem's name the way it's written. You don't have to say these verses. I'll prove it to you. Really, even in the Beis Amigdash, you shouldn't be saying it. Is there a slave, a servant? That he's being blessed. You're not listening. You should listen. Pay attention. What are you doing talking? Listening. Listening is more, is more difficult than speaking. You should be active listening. You're being blessed. Just receive it. Just be silent and receive it. But the only reason we say it in the Beis Amigdash is because we're mentioning Hashem's name, ineffable name. Outside the base of Miglash, you're not mentioning Hashem's name, just receive the blessings. Just listen. I'll bring a proof, the exact opposite, that even outside the base of Miglash you should say Are you being blessed and you're not, you're not saying thank you? You're not showing how pleased you are to receive this blessing. So by us saying these verses, we're on the contrary. We're saying that we're happy to receive these blessings. We're responding. There's nothing worse if someone speaks to you and there's no response. You speak to someone and you don't get any response. So Hashem is blessing us and we're responding that we are happy to receive these blessings. 40, 48. In the beginning I thought, keeping the chazin I saw, so we have an argument. Should you say these verses outside of his, outside the base of Migros? Today there is no base of Migros. Should you say these verses? Shouldn't you say these verses? Rabbi Vuh said, in the beginning, I thought, I watched Rabbi Abba from Aku, and I saw that he didn't say the verses. So I thought, okay, that's the proper way not to say it. Oh, really? 
In the beginning, I would say this psukim, but then I watched Rabbi Abba the Minaku, the great rabbi, Rabbi Abba Minaku. He didn't say it. I also stopped saying it. That's the correct way, not to say the verse. And we don't, we don't say verses today. We don't say verses, any of these verses. In the beginning, I thought, I thought that I am modest, I am humble. But when I watched and I saw that he said one thing and then his interpreter said something else. He did not interpret it faithfully. Well, he copied, he didn't get upset. I mean, I said, Love him, I'm, not such a, I'm not so modest as I thought, because I wouldn't tolerate it. The, uh, <laughs> you know, someone once said, a rabbi once told us, so listen, you want to quote what I said, but you want to say what I said and say it in your own name, I don't mind. Fine, take credit for it. You don't have to mention my name. But please, don't say what you said in my name. <laughs> <laughs> so here, the interpreter was saying his own stuff, and he was officially saying it in the name of, name of, uh, of Rabbi Abba. And Rabbi Abba didn't get upset. You have to be so modest to do that. You get very upset. What are you saying? Your own, your own thoughts, your own thing in my name. I never said it. Well, it, couldn't, it couldn't have been that bad. Why did Rabbi Abba think that he's so humble? Where, where do we see that Rabbi Abba was humble? What's his humility? The wife of the interpreter. Rabbi said to the wife of Rabbi Vua, the Rebetzin Rabbi Vua, my husband doesn't need to be the interpreter, doesn't need to be your husband's interpreter. He's really as great as your husband, if not greater. Usually a maturgaman was someone who was like an intermediate between the teacher and the students. The teacher is Einstein. The students can't understand him, he's too deep for them. So you have someone intermediate. He understands the teacher. But he also is close to the students. He knows how to take the message of the teacher and to interpret it, bring it down to a level that the students can understand. That's usually what an interpreter is. But his wife said to the wife of the wife of Rabu, really, my husband is just as great as your husband. Really, he should be the teacher. That's what the Masha is referring to. He really should be. And the reason why he bends down and listens and interprets his words, he cut a balmudabidle. He's just he's just uh, showing him some respect. And maybe it's his humility. <laughs> he's showing him. He's showing him respect. Also, so repeated this conversation to her husband. In other words, that the, the look, look how arrogant he is. There's no humility. There's no respect. He has no respect for you. He really thinks that really he should be the leader. He should be the teacher. He's more smart. He's more brilliant than you, which would make sense. Then now the previous story. That what happened was, as the Masha says, he would interpret he would put his own interpretations. I don't need Rabbi Vua's explanations. I'll give my own interpretations. Just as brilliant, just as smart as 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 uh, as Rabbi Vua. No, I'm sorry. No, Rabbi Abba. So the similar. This is a similar thing that happened. Rabbi Abba. Anyway, so he says. Why Rabbi Vua said, "I'm Allah, my Why are you getting so upset? What do I? What do you care?" As long, between the two of us, between myself and the interpreter, as long as Hashem is praised. Hashem is praised, that's all that matters. 
Don't get into egotistical arguments whether it's me or him, or he's greater, I'm greater, who's taking more credit. As long as Hashem's name is praised, that's all that matters. In the case of Rabbi Abba, the Mashallah says, in the case of Rabbi Abba, who, uh, that's what he felt inside. He kept it to himself and as his wife spilled the beans and it came out that in his mind he disdained Rabbi Vua. He felt as an equal. Really, I should be the rabbi. But in the case of Rabbi Abba, he, he, actually, he actually actualized it. He actually went ahead and gave his own interpretations. To that extent, Rabbi Vua would not have tolerated it already. So, another instance, Rabbi Vua, they, they appointed him to be the head, to be the Rosh Hashiva. Kivan the Chazil, Rabbi Abba the Minako. Officially, Balchavis, Misur, Rabbi Abba Minako. Oh, so much money. Amalahu, Ikadabba. Ikadabba, there's someone greater than me. He wanted Rabbi Abba to be the leader, because whoever is the leader, they would make rich, they would pay him well, because the leader has to be respected. And if he's poor, just like the Kohen Gadol, you have to make him wealthy, he has to be respectable. So like this, he would be able to pay up all his debts. Now you're going to get money uh, loss if he's humble. <laughs> so then Mother says, they came to a place. Rabbavua expounded that Gadata. He told stories. Rabbavua gave a deep pilpul. Everyone abandoned. No one was there to listen to his pilpul. They came to Rabbavua. Much more entertaining. He told stories. He spoke in the language they understand. It was entertaining. Felt terrible. He was the bigger genius. He was the bigger Torah scholar. And yet everyone abandoned him. He has a small audience. And who's more popular? Rabbi is more popular. So when Rabbi Vua saw this, he realized that his colleague feels terrible. So I'm a lay. I'm a marshal. I'll give you a parable. So you understand. The two people. One is selling jewels, diamond, jewels, gemstones. And one is selling needles, things that people need. You know, peddlers sell uh, small stuff. The dollar store. Where do you think gets more people? How many people could afford gems and diamonds? You have one customer a day, you're happy. Here you have hundreds of coming into the dollar store to buy shmatas and... Uh, so he tried to tell him, you are, are, are communicating gems, but not a precious gem, but you have to be rich to be able to afford it. Not everyone understands it. You have to be a great scholar to appreciate the depth. And, but here I'm telling stories, I'm entertaining them. So of course everyone is coming to listen to me. So you shouldn't feel bad on the contrary. You realize that you have something precious. Call Yem every day of a Malvar would escort He was Adus until he would escort him until he came to his, uh, where he was staying. Should be called the Bekeser. Why? Because Rabavua was held in this great esteem in in the, in the king's eye, in the czar's eye, in the in, in in the case in the Caesar's eye, the Roman Caesar. 
because he was very prestigious by them. So therefore, out of respect, he would escort Abavur. He was a statesman. Not only was he the great rabbi, he was also a great statesman. He reversed the roles. He escorted but he was trying to appease him because he felt terrible that he couldn't get in the audience, he couldn't attract any audience, he had no following. Only a handful of people appreciated him and his brilliance and, and, and everyone versus Abavu was so popular. Still, no, he wasn't appeased. He still felt, felt terrible. He felt that, that people should come learn Torah, even if they don't fully understand it. But when, when you have such wisdom being promulgated and being uh, revealed, people should come and learn. Anyway, then he continues, the Gemara continues. When the Chazan says, what does the whole congregation say? This is the only part of Daphne, you don't just say Amen. Every other part of Chazar Sashat, you just say Amen. Moidim, to give thanks, you have to give thanks yourself. You can't, have, you can't send an emissary, an agent, to give thanks for you. Everyone has to give their own personal thanks. Feel the personal gratitude to Hashem for everything that we have. So, what are you thanking Hashem? So he says, We thank Hashem. We thank you, Hashem, for giving us the ability to give thanks, for giving us the awareness and the consciousness that we should be grateful. That alone we're grateful. <laughs> It's kind of nice that one who created us, who formed us, who formed creation. Blessings and thanksgiving. God will hear a great name, Son, for giving us life, for sustaining us. He concludes, we already, we're giving thanks, we're also inserting a prayer. So you should give us continued life, and you should give us grace, you should gather us, and gather our exiles, to your holy courtyard, to watch, to do your will, with a whole heart. Papa says, we don't have to make this into an argument. We say all of the above. We include all of the above. That's our Maidim is pretty long. We say all of it. You should always, the awe of the congregation should be, should be upon you. But the congregation is an entity. It's not just ten individuals. Hashem is present. The Shekhinah is present. So you should feel a sense of awe when you're in a congregation of ten Jews. You, you, you're in awe. How do we express it? That the koinim name klapi yom, vachadim klapi shchina. The koinim turn their back to Hashem, and they face the congregation. How can you turn your back to Hashem? Because of the congregation, because Hashem is present with the congregation. So you see how awesome it is. You have to be in awe of the congregation. I'll prove to you from here. David stood up. He stood up. When you speak in public, you should always stand. You shouldn't sit. It's disrespectful. First one we learned that from, it says Avram stood up to speak to Bnei Ches. When you're addressing a congregation in public, it's not respectful 
for you to sit unless you're, you're the Rebbe, you're a teacher, you're a Rebbe, then everyone stands and you sit. But other than that, in general, to show respect to the crowd, you stand up. So David stood up. King, he's the king, but he stood up on his legs. And he said, Shmuni, this is in Chronicles, listen, Achi, listen, my brothers, Vami and my nation. The question is, if he's addressing them as brothers, what, is, what do you mean, my citizens, my subjects, my nation? If they're subjects, what do you mean, brothers? You can't be a king over your own family, your own brothers. A king, subjects by definition are not Achi, are not family, they're strangers. Rabbi Loza explains, David said to the Jewish people, if you're going to listen to me, then we're brothers. If you're not going to listen to me, then you're my subjects. I'm going to beat you with a stick. It's not a democracy. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to force you to do the right thing. That's what a king is. king is here to impose law and order. If you do it willingly, you accept it willingly, then fine. And we're brothers. If you're going to willingly accept to build the house of Hashem, then fine. And if not, I'm going to force it on you. I'm going to impose it upon you. So we see. So what do we see? That you have to, the, the awe of the congregation. First he, he addressed them. He didn't address them as a... With the, he didn't start with the stick. Dressed them as brothers. You have to be in awe of the congregation. And he stood up in front of them. And he, and he dressed them very gently. If that doesn't work, okay. Plan B. In other words, if they're kosher, if they're righteous, then I'm in awe of them. You're my brothers. We're peers. We're equals. It's like a minion. A minion who's davening to Hashem, gathered together. Not to gather together in a cafe in Tel Aviv to drink coffee. Gather together to daven to Hashem. So you're in awe of them. And the Kainim are in awe of them. Rabbi say Mehocha. We learned this out from here. It says, The Kainim have to take off their shoes when they do. This is one of the nine enactments. That Yeshua enact. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yechon ben Zaki enact. My time. But what's the reason? Why Rabbi Yechon ben Zaki say you can't? You have to take off your shoes. Why do you have to take off their shoes? What do you do? But isn't it because to show respect to the congregation? Because since they lift up, they would lift up their garments by lifting up their hands. They would lift up their garments. So they would show their shoes. And maybe the shoes are dirty. They didn't get a polish before Yom <laughs> Every day. They used to do it every day. So maybe their shoes are not clean. Mm-hmm. It's not nice for the congregation. Usually it was covered by the robe. So you didn't see it. But here the Kainim are lifting up their hands. They're lifting up their robes or the shoes. It's not, it's not respectful for the congregation to show. All of a sudden they see these dirty shoes sticking out. Ravashi says, no, that's not the reason. Hasim there, the reason is maybe a shoelace uh, is loose or, or got cut off. Oh, there was a limit today. So he went, he left, so you should tie your shoes. 
So he left. Instead of duchening, he, he went out to tie his shoes. How many people are going to say, Ben Gerusha Ben Chalutzuhu? The reason why he's not duchening is not because his shoelace is loose or he went to tie his shoes. It's because he's not a Kayan. So people are going to say, for, you see, that, that's how rumors start. He disappeared. He's not a real Kayan. He must be, his mother must be a divorcee or Ben Gerusha or Zoyna. Or chalutza, and therefore they're going to disqualify his children and shidduchim. It's going to be a disaster. You know, once, once it gets into your head that something is wrong, you, it's, you can't undo it. <laughs> you know, lashon harder goes very easy. Lashon toiv doesn't doesn't sell as well, and you can't undo the damage. You know, it's already done. Once the wall is black. What? Once the wall is black. Yeah. Clean it. It stays brown. Right. Exactly. It's very hard to because people also are very receptive. Negativity, people are very receptive to. You tell them something is wrong, people believe it. <laughs> you tell them something is good, they're very skeptical. There's a covenant, Lashon Hodr is received. Even great people, when they hear something negative about someone, they will, uh, they will accept it. You know, it will, it will lodge in their head. It's very hard to undo. Okay. Mikdash Brach In the base of Mikdash, however, it was once said in one Brach. They didn't divide it into three. They said the whole thing, and then they responded. You don't answer Amin in the base of Mikdash. What would they say? The rabbis learned, How do we know we don't answer Amin? By us, we say Amin. We say Amin. But in the base of Mikdash, there was no Amin. How do we know this? It says, Kumu ubarchus Hashem alekechem. Stand up, rise up, bless Hashem, your God, mina oilam, viada oilam. So instead of saying Amen, you say mina oilam, every blessing they would say in the Besam Migdash, this is what this is what the blessing they would say. Baruch Hashem, Yisrael, He's telling them, and Ezra is telling them, this is why you should stand up. The Jewish people should respond. Stand up and bless Hashem. That's the bracha you say in the Beis HaMikdash. Every blessing that was said there, Magin Avram, you don't say Amen. They would get up and say, After every blessing, that was the response, not Amen. How do we know that every blessing that the community, that the Shliach Tzibah, the Chazan says, the, the congregation says, Tehillah, which is Baruch Shem Kveid Malchus Eleilam Vo'ed. Oh, so I'm saying, there's two things. Firstly, at the end of every blessing, they would say in the Beis HaMikdash, they would conclude the blessing. Like they would say, Baruch before they said, Magin Avram, they would say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Alekei Yisrael, Minayilam Vadeilam, Magin Avram. Baruch Hashem, Alekei Yisrael, Mechaya Mesi. It's funny because sometimes we say it, sometimes we say, Amen. When we nine, how do we know it's called Baruch Abrach? How do we know that every Baruch, how does the congregation respond to Hila with Baruch Hashem, Kvein Mechuz Allah, praising Hashem? Shnem, it says, Vivarchu Shem Kveidecha. You should bless Baruch Shem Kveid. Says we barchu and they should bless shame the name kvedecha of your honor. It says in that pasuk at the end of that pasuk. It says kumu barchu shem lekeis amleilu and then we barchu shem kvedecha, 
And then the congregation would respond by Baruch Shem Kavod. The verse concludes, What does it come to teach? That every blessing that the Chazan says, the answer, the, 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 that should be the response. Baruch Shem Kavod. Every blessing you should answer Tehila with this praise. Baruch Shem Kavaydecha. Baruch Shem Kavayd. So that was only in the base of Migdash. Okay. As if you remember, we learned in Tracted Yuma that when the when they would say Hashem's name, which was the ineffable name, they would say Baruch Shem Kavayd Machus and they would all bow down. And that's what we do in the Avaid of Yom Kippur. So what, what do you mean? What do you mean in the base of Migdash? They waited till after they finished the whole priestly blessing. There was no interruption, and only after they finished the priestly blessing, they Baruch Hashem. What do you mean? They said Hashem's name three times, and it was the ineffable name. Mm-hmm. So they they did interrupt. They said Baruch Hashem. Then the Talmud says they all forgot the name. That's what Yashka did. He put it in the, in his skin. He he wrote it down, and he, he put it in. But um, and with that, he was able to perform miracles. Um, but but, Adelaide, but it says clearly they did interrupt and three times. So what what was the mother saying in the base of, was the mission saying in the base of Megiddo? So Taisu says because they would say Baruchem as soon as they heard Hashem's name, they would say Baruchem and bow down. Here he's saying unlike us, at the end of the verse we answer Amen. At the end of each verse we answer Amen. There was no interruption. When you said Hashem's name, of course you immediately responded Baruchem and you bowed down. But when he finished Yishmerecha, there was no Amen. They waited until he finished the whole priestly blessing, and then they said, Baruch Hashem, Leilam Vod. Okay. Next Mishnah, Zagdeh Mishnah, Birches King, Godel Keter. He explains the first Mishnah. He said, the priestly blessings. And it was all done in the Hebrew language. How is this? Well, what, what blessings are you referring to? After, this is after, the, after he finished the service of Yom Kippur, he would read the Torah. And he would bless, and he would after the conclusion of the reading of the Torah in front of the whole the whole congregation, the Jewish people, in the Beis Hamikdash, he would he would say eight blessings. So how was this? The Chazanaknesses, the Shamish, the beadle of the Knesses, who was in charge, in charge of preparing everything, making sure everything is ready, the the uh, bima is ready, and everything is ready. So he would take Natal Sefer he would take the Sefer Torah. He would pass it on to Reisha Knesses. Reisha Knesses was the one in charge. He wasn't the one who did the work, he was the one who delegated the work. He told everyone what to do and he was in charge of everything. Who's, who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna read the Maftir and who's going to read the, who's gonna go, who's gonna be the Chazan? The president, the one in charge. You know, the, the decision maker. This was in the base of Miglis, of course. would give it to the vice Kohen Gadol, the vice president, like the, the second, the second in command, the Kohen Gadol, to the Kohen Gadol. And then he would hand it over to Kohen Gadol. So it went through four. First, the the, the uh, Chazan took it. The Chazan gave it to the Rosh. The Rosh gave it to the Zgan, and the Zgan gave it to the Kohen God. Handed the title to the Kohen God. 
would stand up and receive the Torah of a Kodin who would read in Leviticus Achere Mois and Viachba Oser and then in Parshas Emmer he would roll the Torah right Achere Mois Kedoshim Emmer so it wasn't it was very nearby Viachba Oser would roll a little and read Viachba Oser Vagel is a Torah then he would roll up the Torah Manicha Becheke he would hold it in his lap and he would say yes there's more that I read to you that's written here, but there, and I'm going to read it to you by heart. When it's mentioned in Parshas Pinchas that the carbonus that you would bring in Pinchas, that he would read by heart. He might have explained why. Why would he read it by heart? Why didn't he roll, roll from Emmer to Pinchas? And afterwards he would bless eight blessings. One blessing was Allah Torah. Like every every everyone who called up to the Torah, you make a blessing after after you reading the Torah. Then the second blessing was Vala Veda. Let's say the next one is Vala because we concluded the service and there's no service without giving thanks to Hashem. So, so those are the fir- the three of the eight, the first three of the eight. Then while mechilas ha'avin, it's Yom Kippur, so we says the blessing ata b'chartanu, which concludes as melech moichel v'silech l'avin neseinu as Hashem is the King who forgives us for our sins, for the sins of His nation. That's four. Vala migdash, the fifth blessing was you would daven for the base of migdash. Hashem should protect the base of migdash. And you would conclude, Baruch Hashem Bachar Bamigdash, blessed is he who chose the Beis Hamigdash. Right? It's called Beis Abchira, the house of choice. Hashem chose it. And then, Val Yisrael, he would pray for the Jewish people, and he would conclude, Baruch Habacher Bam, blessed is he who chose the Jewish people. Well, and the Koyanim also thanking Hashem, blessing Hashem for choosing the Koyanim. Well, Yerushalayim. And, and you say a special prayer for Yerushalayim. So that, these are the eight blessings. And the rest, the Gemara will explain what blessing that is. That's the last blessing. So we have. Taira, Avoida, Haidaya, Mechilas Aven, Migdash, Yisrael, Kainim, Yerushalayim. That's the mission. What do we see from our Mishnah? We see from our Mishnah that you show honor to the student in front of his teacher. Here, the star, the ultimate, is the high priest. But in front of the high priest, you're paying respects to those who are under him. Because they, are, they have some elevated level. So you're showing respect in front of the high priest. Instead of taking the Torah and giving it directly to the high priest, why are you showing honor to the second in command? When the president is there, you're going to show honor to the vice president? Or to the Reish? Well, the prayer, you go straight to the king, you go straight to the to the to the high priest, but nevertheless, is no, even in the presence of the high priest, right in front of him, in his presence, you have to pay respects to uh, those who 
who are lower than him. That's why our president calls his vice president. This is actually an argument elsewhere whether you're allowed to show respect to, your under, to the underling in front of the, of the master or not. So here from the mission, it seems clearly we can decisively... We can decisively answer this question once and for all, clearly allowed to. Amar no. From here you can't prove anything. Really, I'll tell you that you're not allowed to show respect to the underling in front of the, in front of the master, the greater one. But the reason why you don't hand the title directly to the high priest, is only highlights the respect the, it highlights how much you're honoring the high priest because you're showing him how high he is. There's so many levels. He's a king of king of kings. First you have the shamash, and then the shamash on top of him you have the reish, and on top of him you have this gun. Till you get to the king godly, so elevated. It only highlights, on the contrary, you're adding, you're increasing the respect for him. This is paying respects to him in the highest way possible. Taisvus learns that where do we see that you're showing respect for the underling? From the fact that the skan, the vice Koyengadl, the second, the second ranking Koyengadl, doesn't take it directly from the chazan, from the shaman. Chazan has to give it to someone more respectable than him, to the reish. And he receives it from the reish. Instead of receiving it directly from the chazan, you're showing respect. Mm-hmm. To the to the to the vice going up to the second to the deputy going up to the deputy going up, you're showing respect to the deputy going up. So you're showing respect to the deputy going godl in right in the presence of the going godl. That proves that you're allowed to show respect to the student. So the mother Abayah says no, it's not a proof. Why? It's all to to highlight the the, the respect of the going godl. That even though the deputy is also highly respected, how do you see he's highly respected? Instead of the chazan giving him directly, it's not respectful. You should get it from an underling of an underling. So he has to give it to the underling, to the reish. And to get it from him, you're only highlighting, you're only emphasizing the ultimate respect of the kohen gadol himself. Okay. So that's a different interpretation than Nashi. Nashi says that you should have, the chazan should have given it directly to the kohen gadol. Okay. would rise, stand up, receive the Torah, and read it. means till now he was sitting. When they handed him the Torah, he would stand up and receive the Torah. How is that possible? The master says in Yeshiva, the only ones who are allowed to sit in the courtyard are only the descendants of King David, of David Amel, who are the true royal family who represent the royalty of Hashem above. And therefore, in his holy courtyard, only they are allowed to sit, not the Malchi Yisrael, and surely not the Kohen Gadol. It says, It says, clearly in the Pazuk, David HaMelech came, and he sat before Hashem. And he said, Who am I? You brought me up until this level. So he was talking to Hashem, but he was sitting. Only David has a right to sit. So, so therefore, what do you mean? The, how could the Kohen Gadol sit? So the answer is that Rav Chizda. Rav Chizda answered. We're going to learn later. In what reference did Rav Chizda say that? I'm referring to what? That, that we're talking about the outer courtyard. Not the inner courtyard. 
which is where Hashem's presence. It's the outer courtyard, where it's Nashim, which doesn't have the holiness of the Beit HaMegdash. It's like the holiness of the, of the Temple Mount. Hachanami Bezas Nashim. So I'll answer you also. Also, Nezus Nashim. Because where did the Kohen God will read the Torah? Not in Nezus Israel, Nezus Nashim, where everyone was gathered. So through there, he was allowed to sit. When they handed him the Torah, he would rise up on his feet and he would receive the, receive the Torah. Mesmer, I'll ask you a question. We learn, where did he read it? Bazar. Tanakhama says the, the Kohen God will read the Torah in the courtyard. No, in the Temple Mount, outside the courtyard. And it says, Ezra. Ezra read outside, outside the uh, the courtyard. So Rav Chiz, Rav Chiz, this says that when the Brayse means. Oh, but according to the rabbis, it says that he read in the courtyard. So how could he sit? He's not allowed to. The Kohen God is not allowed to sit in the courtyard. So Rav Chiz, this says Bezus Nashim. The argument between. The rabbis and Abelazah ben Yaakov is whether he sat in the courtyard or whether he sat in the Azaz Nashim, the outer courtyard. That's the argument. So therefore, since it's the outer courtyard, he has a right to sit. We continue that one of a wonderful day.